السلام عليكم Samir, ready to go? Okay. Assalamu <clears throat> alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, we began by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one and the unique. He it is whom we worship, and it is his aid that we seek. He hears the dua of the oppressed, and he answers the prayer of the weak. As to what follows, a hundred years from now, Insha'Allah Ta'ala, when the history of Islam and American Muslims is recorded and documented in multi-volume details, our guest to my right will have not one, multiple chapters, Insha'Allah Ta'ala, dedicated to the seminal efforts that he has played over the course of his entire lifetime and over the course of this entire country in planting the seed for so many masajid and so many Islamic schools and so many fundraisers and so many national conventions. Wallahi, to give a summary of his life and times is an insult to the man sitting to my right. And I feel that it is a bridge and window into the past to have a living legend like Imam Siraj still in our midst. Somebody who has been preaching and teaching from the mimbar since before I was born. His first sermon, even if it was with the Nation of Islam, as he'll talk about his story, his first sermon was in 1970. That is way before I was born. And throughout all of these years, he has traveled cross-country, fundraised for countless masajid that are now multi-million dollar mega-complexes and done so at a time and a place and an era way before our internet and social media. And yet, alhamdulillah, still strong and going and still here for yet another event and fundraiser. And before I move on, I do need to plug in our sponsors and our fundraiser for this event. It is Basma organization and the Basma organization is one of the premier, if not the premier organizations for taking care of the Rohingya refugees. And tomorrow they have a fundraiser. That's why Imam Siraj is here. And you can find more information outside. Uh, and they're gonna be building a medical complex for one of the most uh, underprivileged uh, minorities in the entire world. So make dua for our Rohingya brothers and sisters and give whatever you can. Imam Siraj Wahaj needs no introduction. And yet still we have so many in the audience, especially our youngsters, who know the name, but they don't know the life and times of the legend. So we thought today, instead of him just giving a khatira, a talk, which he's very good at, mashallah, we will crack open the real Siraj Wahaj. We will hear from the legend in a personal manner. And I'll ask a few questions and then I'll hand the mic over to you guys. So prepare your handwritten questions to figure out how we can do them. Murad, if you can take charge of taking uh, the questions, inshallah ta'ala. So we'll open the floor for you guys to ask some good questions about Imam Siraj's life. But the first question I will begin with Imam Siraj. Yes. You got the mic? I got the mic. Okay, alhamdulillah. Actually, it doesn't need a mic, but the, uh, the microphones. I need a mic. <laughs> the first question, if you can summarize for us what especially for our next generation. 
your own brief biography and especially your phases of conversion through the nation and whatnot. If you can summarize for us your life and times. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Wa salatu wa salam ala Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Today I'm going to say something that probably none of you heard, not even Sheikh Yasir heard about my life. Um, I was speaking to my mother recently. Alhamdulillah, she just turned 89 years old. And one of the things that I have over most of you is what the Prophet said, Whoever believes in Jesus and then believes in me will have a double reward. Sheikh, I'm going to tell you about the very day I was born. I don't think you ever heard this. My uncle saw me the day I was born and he said, He's going to be a preacher, which means a minister in the Christian faith. He's going to be a preacher. When I was in the church, a teenager, I used to teach Sunday school. As a sophomore in uh, New York University, I joined the Nation of Islam, same religion that Malcolm X was in, Muhammad Ali, that that organization. And when I was in the Nation of Islam, I was a minister in the Nation of Islam. Alhamdulillah, in 1975, Allah guided us to Islam. Alhamdulillah, I became a Muslim. I consider myself a Muslim for the first time, 1975. Then I became an Imam among the Muslims. I heard that when I was young that he said I was going to be a, a preacher. But what I didn't know until recently, my mother told me, that the day I was born, not only did my uncle say that, but my aunt said the same thing. He's going to be a minister. So that is the kind of beginning of, of, of my life. I can say, I want to, to mention one of our companions, um, Amr ibn al-As. He was on his deathbed. And uh, he was uh, away from the crowd and he was crying. And his son, Abdullah, he said, what's the matter? You did all of these good things. And then he turned around to the people and said, I've been to three stages in my life. There was a stage where I hated the Prophet, peace and blessing be upon him. If I could have, I would have killed him. He said, had I died then, I know I'd go straight to hell. Then Allah guided me to Islam and I asked the Prophet, put out your hand. And the Prophet put out his hand and then I withdrew my hand. And the Prophet wasalam, said, why you withdraw? He said, I want conditions. He said, what condition? I want to be Muslim with the condition that I be forgiven my sins. And the Prophet wasalam, said, don't you know that when you become a Muslim, Allah forgive you all your sins. When you make Hajj, Allah forgive you your sins. When you make hijrah, Allah forgive you your sins. And, he, and so he said, I took shahada. He said, had I died at that moment, I am rel relatively sure I would have gone to Jannah. He said, then there were things, and he didn't go into detail. And I understand what he meant, there was things. So what I'm saying to you, how many of you were born to Muslim parents? Raise your hand. Look around, look, look. Okay, 
So one of the things that we're going to we'll talk about later on is that we have to change the narrative here in America. One third of the Muslims in the world live in non-Muslim countries. Where do you find them? You find them in the United States. You find them in Great Britain. You find them in France. You find them all over the world. Africa, Asia. So I would like to see one day in the masjid, and I ask the question, how many of you were not born to Muslim parents? Maybe more would raise their hand. So one of the things, if I have one complaint against Muslims, would be not enough da'wah. And so during our course, our discussion, we talk something about that and about my role as a da'i, and especially in the nation of Islam, and then 1975 becoming a Muslim. Maybe I'll talk about a little bit of that. That's just a kind of introduction. So now, uh, when I was born, what my uncle say? Going to be a preacher. All right. Let's see if you're listening. <laughs> so, Sheikhana, you went through some phases through the nation and then to Sunni Islam. Can you describe what attracted you to... See, we are Orthodox Sunni Muslims. When we hear about the nation, we don't understand... Frankly, I'm being honest here, and please forgive me for my, for my frankness. We don't understand the notion of some alien ship taking you and saving you, built in Japan. This is true, by the way, they used to believe that. And some God coming to earth and preaching some, you know, satanic, like everybody's Satan except for us. It sounds unreal to us. So can you explain why, you know, you're in a college or university, you're very active, you're passionate, you believe in Christianity, which we understand even if we don't understand it. What attracted you to the nation back in, was it 68, 69? What would attract you to a theology and an ideology that doesn't resonate with most of us in this audience? Yeah, I think this is my opinion. And Yasser, I've been thinking about this like, like for years, right? I've been thinking about the nation of Islam and the, and the teachings and the theology of Mr. Elijah Muhammad. And I, I came to this conclusion. You know, and what I'm going to say here is an opinion. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he give us the right to have opinions. We could be wrong. Uh, I remember the Prophet wasalam, he went to Medina and the people were um, pollinating date palms and he said, what? What you doing? He said, we're manipulating the, the date palms to get more fruit. He said, maybe it's better you don't do it. So they stopped doing it. And the, and the crop failed. And they came to the Prophet, alayhi salatu wasalam, said, Ya Rasulullah, you see? And the Prophet, alayhi salatu said something so profound. Every president, every king, every prime minister, every general, Every mayor, every governor, all the Congress need to hear what the Prophet he said, alayhi salat wasalam. He said, If I tell you something of your religion, you take it. But when I give you something of my personal opinion, I'm only a human being. My experience in the nation of Islam, and I think after years, after leaving the nation, Elijah Muhammad never meant the things that he said, uh, um, actual 
but metaphoric. And I'm going to tell you why. Because, it, because not, it, does, it doesn't make sense. For instance, you know in the nation of Islam, they taught that white people devils, right? You heard that? Some of them are. No, no, some are. But you have black devils too. So the thing why it doesn't make sense is that how was the devil made? According to the theology of the nation of Islam, we made the devil. How could you blame him if a black man named Yaqub created this white race of devils? How could you blame them? What do you say about them? How do you, how do you reform them? So with Islam, alhamdulillah, everybody have an opportunity to become Muslim. The attraction for me, I think, and most of us, to understand the condition of black people. When you say, kaifa halukum, what does that mean? Kaifa halukum, how you doing? It does mean that, but it don't really mean that. It does, you're good, you said the right thing. The word in Arabic hal means condition, circumstance. So when you say kaifa halukum, how's your circumstances? What, what's your circumstances like? And when you study uh, black people in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, you will find out that Martin Luther King Jr. said, he who gets behind in a race must forever remain behind or run faster than the man up front. Everything you want to use to judge the success of a people, black people were under law in. Everything. So Elijah Muhammad came with something, I think, in his mind, his thinking, let me attract black people. And, and when you listen to Malcolm X, Al-Hajj Malik Shabazz, you listen to Minister Farrakhan, listen to Muhammad Ali, all of them in their early teachings were teaching black power, black nationalism, love for self, and, and et cetera. So that was the attraction, but really, if you looked at it, for instance, I was in a nation of Islam for six years, from 1969 to 1975. I never made salat one day. I prayed, but I didn't make salat. They taught us to pray, but the Prophet said, pray as you see me pray. So I didn't make the salat like that. So the real concern, even Ramadan, Shahru Ramadan, we didn't fast in Ramadan, we fasted in December. Uh, the, the, the Prophet والسلام, one of the sunnas is for the man to grow the beard. In the nation of Islam, they cut the beard. So there's a lot of things that I think he did on purpose. Allahu alam. I, I won't go into his niyyah. I can't. But I can say, I think, after, and after I left the nation of Islam, I read his book, Message to the Black Man, maybe 15 or 20 times more trying to understand why. Because I'm saying, how? And I, and I, and I think that the uh, attraction to black people wasn't the theology, but the attraction was do for self. Hmm. They went to the prisons, cleaned up people. Read the life of Malcolm X, right? How the nation cleaned them up. And there are a lot of millions of Malcolm Xs out there and the nation of Islam had that, that, that great attraction. But alhamdulillah, 1975, when Elijah Muhammad died, the great irony that it was his son 
Imam Waruthuddin Muhammad, who transformed in one year that entire movement into Sunni Muslim. And this is why, Sheikh, with, with me personally, and I know this about myself, I am not as hard on people, uh, regardless of their practice. And let me, let me tell you what I mean by that. When I was, I remember one day I was selling Muhammad Speaks newspaper. You heard of Muhammad Speaks newspaper? This is the paper of, of the Nation of Islam. And I was in a hallway in um, Crown Street, Brooklyn. And I remember I used to go knock on doors selling this 25 cent newspaper. And when I came downstairs, I was about to go outside, a Sunni Muslim saw me. And they used to not treat us well. And you can imagine all of the things that we taught. These are not Muslims. But this one was different. He said, how you doing, my brother? May Allah bless you, something like that. I thought about that for a, a year, his warmness. His kindness. And when I looked at the, when I look at the Muslims over the years, and, and, and maybe we'll talk about that, one of the things that I notice is that the, the Muslim Ummah, in my opinion, is growing. They're, they're growing in tolerance. When I say tolerant, I don't mean, yo man, it's okay, you can do what you want to do. Well, no, we should discuss it. We should have these discussions in, in, a, very, in a very, very meaningful way. Um, and uh, let me just give you one example. There, there, you know, because of where I came from as a Christian, right? So I know what it's like being a Christian. So I can talk to Christians. I, I, my, my, one of my, my greatest day as a die came at Texas State University, I think, in 2005. And uh, the students, the Muslim students gave me the topic, what did Jesus really say? Right? This is, this is at the Bible Belt, and the audience was packed, bigger than this audience. Every seat was taken. People were sitting on the aisle. People were on the stage with me. That's how crowded it was. The people stood out in the back, and the door was open, and people were on the outside listening to my talk. The professor who introduced me said to me privately, he says, Imam, I'm going to let you know, a lot of these students at a certain time are going to leave. They got some class or something. So if people walk out, it's not, they're not walking out against you. So he gave me the heads up, alhamdulillah. I gave the lecture, not one person left. And when we finished the lecture, I said that we have to make prayer we're going to be about five minutes, and we come back and finish and do a question and answer. I said, I know they're going to go. Nobody left. And when I had the question and answer period, there was one man, i never forget, a young man, 22 years old, named Ray, uh, um, Dan Reitha. He was the president of the Christian Association on campus. And if I ever thought, based on his questions, he wasn't like, he was questioning, like, getting, like, he want to know, explanation. And I said to myself, I really love this guy. Even afterwards, he came to me asking me questions. One month later, I got a letter from his mother. 
said, Mr. Wahaj, I want to let you know that you had a great impact on my son. He's a Christian. And um, I found your contact in his wallet. Imam Siraj Wahaj, blah, 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 blah. I wanted to let you know that he died in a, in a car crash. And if anyone I ever thought be Muslim, it would be him. This talk, I didn't, I didn't use one verse from the Bible. Everything I said, Quran and Sunnah. And um, this was right around close to Easter, close to that Good Friday. And um, uh, what I did, I changed the topic. I told the people I didn't want to be disrespectful. I, I don't like that topic. What did Jesus say is implying you don't know what he said. Imam Siraj is going to tell you what he really said. So instead, I gave a talk. What do Muslims say about Jesus? Peace and blessing be upon him. The professor who introduced me said to the audience afterwards, he said to everyone, Imam Siraj, the entire university should have heard what you said. So you get to the point, you're not condescending, looking down on, on you all. You don't know about, you let, me, let me tell you. No, number one. Number two, people like in the nation of Islam. When I see them, I don't, like, I don't hate them. Even though we have different ideologies and I, you know, I reach out to them and I think, Sheikh, this is what we have to do. One more, one more point. There's some, some brothers who I know who studied abroad very harsh against Muslims who may not be on their, their level. I've lived to see that change. He was a brother, I, you know, I, I don't like, like labels, but do you mind me giving you a label just to give you some context? You're free Is to do okay? whatever you want, Imam huh? Siraj. You're free to do whatever you want. Okay. I don't want you to get, especially him, I don't want him to get mad at me. <laughs> no, there used to be some brothers, um, the Da'wah to Salafi, for instance, right? And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless them for the ilm and their knowledge. Sometimes maybe they're a little bit harsh and stuff like that. I've lived to see them change now. Some of the ones who condemned us speak at our masjid now, give classes in our masjid. Brothers come from England. They come here in Masjid al-Taqwa. By the way, can I tell you something about Masjid al-Taqwa? Any of you ever been to Masjid al-Taqwa? All right. When Masjid Taqwa first began 40 years ago, there were 25 of us, 100% African-Americans. So Imam Siraj was the African-American Imam for African-American Masjid. 25. Fast forward, forward before the pandemic, average Juma, 1,300 people. Now, the percentage of black people in my Masjid, African-Americans, Maybe 20, 25%. Subhanallah. Huh? Subhanallah. So I'm the African-American imam over the immigrant Muslim community. But my point is, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I've learned to be patient over the years. I be, I be patient. I think that we need, I see, I take the position of Imam Shafi, rahimallah. I believe that I'm right with the possibility that I may be wrong. I believe that you're wrong with the possibility you may be right. This is, the, this is the kind of attitude that I have. And, and Sheikh, this is the, the, the thing that I, I see. And I think because Allah put me in that position, 
having been a Christian, having been in the nation of Islam, and then having been, become a Muslim, then I'm more, uh, I like to use the word tolerant of other people and uh, willing to engage and have conversations. You ought to be willing to engage people in, com in conversation. Sheikh, um, who, who would you say had the most impact on your life, especially in the formative years, 60s and 70s? Which figures and personalities really you looked up to, you benefited from, and they, 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 sh they moved and, sh and shook you? First of all, Malcolm X. My, I, you know, my mother would tell you, in the house as a teenager, I was um, 15 when Malcolm X was assassinated. But afterwards, I got all of his record albums, and I would be in the house. Back during slavery, there were two kinds of slaves. There was the field Negro and the house Negro. So I would quote Malcolm. Everybody knew that. I quote Malcolm. I had all as of As a Christian, sir. As a Christian, wow. yes. Even as a Christian. And then, and because you got to understand that there are a lot of African-American Christians didn't join the Nation of Islam but they respected people like Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali. So these great personalities, so uh, Mr. Elijah Muhammad was smart. He knew how to attract certain people, like a minister Farrakhan, Malcolm X, uh, Muhammad Ali, and people like, like, like that to give charismatic uh, speakers. And they were very good at that. They were excellent uh, speakers. But you know, now when you grow up as a Muslim, you don't want just a charismatic speaker. You want a speaker who speaks the truth. And there's nothing better, no better truth than Quran and Sunnah. How was the relationship with um, um, Muhammad Ali? Oh, girl, great. That was my guy. You know, Muhammad Ali, let me tell you something about Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali was a very funny guy. He, he liked to tell jokes. Like he was on the, uh, he was in a plane one day in the, in the, um, Flight attendant said, Mr. Muhammad Ali, please put on your seatbelt. He said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. <laughs> and she looked at him and said, Superman don't need no plane. <laughs> so he put on the seatbelt. We were in, um, we were in, uh, we had gone to the United Nations one day, and I was walking with him, and you should have seen the people they stopped. Muhammad Ali, Muhammad Ali, police officers. And let me tell you something about Muhammad Ali that you probably don't know. You remember, he came, like me, from the Nation of Islam. Uh, there was a brother in the Chicago, I think his name, Amir Ali. He used That's to do that family work. friend of ours, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right? Story, yeah. Muhammad Ali used to go to him and buy boxes of da'wah material. Who is Muhammad? When everybody, someone asked for his autograph, he would get one of these and sign it and give it to them. He was a die. Uh, also, he used to do uh, like magic tricks. And he tell the people, listen, Muslims, Islam is against uh, magic. Magic is not real, but this is a trick. And I was in the room with him one day uh, in a hotel room, and he, he levitated. He showed me how he levitated. It's just a trick, okay? It's not, he didn't, so I think um, uh, the, the sort of so the whole point I'm making is that the attraction to black people was to a love of self. I'll give you an example. Um, life expectancy for the average American, something like 78 years, something, 78 point something years. 
while the life expectancy of the average American is something like 78 point, the life expectancy of the average African American man is something like 70, 71. And you find this disparity, disparity all over across the board. So when black people, you know, like Martin Luther King Jr. said, he who gets behind in a race must forever remain behind or run faster than the man up front. So what you see right now is the ending of white nationalism. I'm just have to, I have to call it what it is. And um, the population of America is changing. By 20, uh, 2025, I think, white people will be a minority in this country. And they're scared to death. By the way, I'm going to tell you something that happened. I gave a lecture at um, um, the uh, University of Michigan. And I, I think I mentioned it to you, or I may have mentioned it to you early. And, and, um, and, the, and the topic was, uh, is Islam a threat to America? And I gave the talk and she said, Imam, you're correct, I agree with you. But she said something really that made me think. She said if Muslims continue to grow in America and they become the majority, would they then you know, vote that the Sharia become the law of America? This is a concern. The Muslims are growing. Firan was afraid that Ben Israel was growing in numbers. This is a real issue. For some people, the issue is black. Uh, what's that guy named? Uh, he wrote a book called The Death of the West. Uh, Pat Buchanan. Mm. I'm reading that book, right? By the way, I read the same books they read, just for the record. I read Quran every day. I read Sunnah every day. And I read books that they read. And I read this book, Death of the West. And sometimes you read a book, it's a, it's a chapter or a paragraph or a sentence that make you say, wow. He said, and I'm, I'm, my, my suggestion is that a lot of times people write and they're sending signals. He said, in old dying uh, Christian West is trying to influence Muslims and third world countries to follow the West in contraceptions and abortions, but why should they enter a, uh, a suicide pact when they're going to inherit this when we are gone? What? Where are you going? In uh, Italy, at this, at this same uh, current pace, it is said that by uh, 20, 50, 60% of Italians will have no brothers, no sisters, no cousins, no aunts, and no uncles. If you study what's going on in Europe now, people, they stop having babies. And, and the Christian, the old, the old Christians used to teach, you know, um, uh, that uh, be fruitful and multiply. They stopped doing that. Muslims, they have children. You know how many children I have? Take a guess. Hmm? Who said, huh? Stop it. <laughs> no, Allah blessed me with nine children. Nine, mashallah. And uh, about a million grandchildren. A million. Not quite a million, but you know, you know what I mean, right? 
So you have, you have Muslims that's, that's, having, that's having children, and other people that's having children, and then a lot of other people stop having children. And so people are concerned now. The population change is shifting. You know, do you know that in England right now, since 1960, 10,000 churches have closed in England. They said another 4,000 is going to close in the next. There are more messages in England than the Church of England. And all over the world, you see the same thing. Churches closing down. In Patterson, New Jersey, um, Sheikh Katanani, Muhammad Katanani, uh, the largest masjid in Patterson used to be a synagogue. You find Muslims all over buying churches, buying synagogues, turn them into masjids. Don't think that they're not people looking at this. And they get nervous by it. I'm just, I'm just being honest with you. Um, but all we have to do, and, and you know the irony, by the way, the irony, the Muslims are the ones in this country that help make America better. That's the irony. And, 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 and the prophet, he said it like this. He said, uh, two people in, in, in a ship, good people and bad people. And the bad people begin to drill a hole in the ship. He said, if you stop them, you save them and yourself. If you let them go, you destroy them and you destroy yourself. Dawa, dawa, dawa. We got to talk to the people. Sheikh, and I have two more questions and then open the floor for the audience. The first one's going to be a little bit awkward, but I, I think this is the time to ask it. Sheikh, and out of all of the you know, Sunni imams, the African-American activists, there's no question that you have the strongest relationship with the nation and especially with Louis Farah Khan. Yes. You were a minister in the nation. You had a personal relationship with Elijah and then with the Farah Khan himself. Obviously, the nation is no longer the viable force it used to be, but it's still a presence. And was it a decade and a half ago when the Million Man March took place? It was none other than Farah Khan who called it and acted as a leader for all African-Americans and hardly anybody still has that clout that he does. What is now your analysis and frankly a relationship with Farah Khan and with the nation and where do you see it going and can we somehow push it to come mainstream? Let me tell you something that was interesting. I had to make a decision. You mentioned a million man watch. I don't know anyone, any Muslim anywhere who can get a million black people to come to Washington, D.C. Farrakhan has that kind of charisma. So when you talk about uh, articulate, charismatic speakers, you talk, in my opinion, you're talking Malcolm, Martin Luther King, and Farrakhan. Right? That's, my, that's my opinion, right? So the, um, my relationship with Minister Farrakhan is very good. I talk to him from time to time. He invited me to speak at the Million Man March. My mindset at that time, I wasn't going to go. Even some imam said, imam, you should go. I said, no, because I didn't want to give him a platform, something like that. I know this is, that, that was my thinking at that, at that particular time. So um, fast forward, he sent a delegation of his top, they call them laborers, to come to my office in Brooklyn to convince me to come to Savior's Day. It's called Savior's Day, the national holiday. Um, to lead Juma prayer. I said, let me consult with other imams. Bring them. We had about seven imams in my office and his top laborers. And so we decided that I would go. 
So I did a couple of years. I think it was a good move because here they're, they're doing the, they're doing the Juma football now. So they, you know, they're making some strides. And I was able to give the football. He didn't tell me what to say, what not to say. Mm. Um, so uh, I try my best to keep communications open. Every year during the month of Ramadan, they have what's called a prayer line. So five o'clock in the morning during the month of Ramadan, they have a speaker come on. The first speaker is always Minister Farrakhan. The second speaker is always Imam Siraj. I have gotten, did you, did you speak on there? Before? You didn't speak on there. So we may, we may. Uh oh, no. <laughs> uh, that might huh? be a little bit awkward, we'll see. <laughs> Imam Zaid has been on, Sheikh Hamza has been on, and, and others, I, Imam Abdul Malik, I try to encourage them mm. to give talk. And again, he never tells you, you know, what not to do. So it's a good relationship. I, 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 I continue to reach out because this man, I don't know anyone who, are, who is more articulate than him. So it would be, a, would be great if he comes and alhamdulillah and teach this message. Alhamdulillah. I pray that Allah Azza wa Jal uses you to guide his heart to Islam so that his people and the last remnants of the nation inshallah also join mainstream Islam. My last question to you, Shaykh Hana, before we open the floor for Q&A is, alhamdulillah, you have been active for over 50 years with American Muslims. I mean, since 1969, you said 70. What can you tell us? I mean, I don't know how many eras you want to divide from 1970 to 2022 now, mashallah, mashallah. How, what can you tell us about the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, like there's five decades. What can you tell us of the pros and cons, the strengths and weaknesses as you look back for the last 50 years with some of these phases? And especially, we have in our audience teenagers who inshallah have another 50, 60 years to go. They're hearing you. And inshallah in 2070, one of them is going to say, I attended Imam Siraj Wahaj's lecture back in 2022 when I was 15 years old. And I heard him say such and such about the community back in 1970. We're literally carrying the legacy down. I know it's a very big question, but what can you summarize for us the strengths and weaknesses, the mistakes and the right tactics that 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s and beyond, I mean. Yeah, I think in the earlier days, as I, I'm reiterating, that there was a kind of, um, you know, lack of respect um, uh, and especially among African-Americans. This has been a big issue among African-Americans, the relationship between, uh, you know, they call them immigrant Muslims, right, with African-Americans wasn't that great. Over the years, it has um, it's gotten better. Our relationships now are much, much better than they used to be. Um, I think with people like Imam Zaid, Shakir, and, and others uh, who you know, now work with the other Muslim communities, and as you, as you mentioned, fundraisers and, and things like that, conventions and things like that. So we're, we're grown, uh, I think, more tolerant. Uh, um, but the thing that I'm a little bit nervous about and, and I, can't, I can't give you raw data because I'm not sure, but apparently some of our youth especially are leaving the fold of Islam. That be, that's become very clear to me. Um, and, you know, going to, listen, I'm an advocate of uh, uh, higher education. We should. But then we got to be careful 
Sheikh, did you know I just found out recently, Harvard, Harvard, prestigious university, prestigious Harvard. You know who graduated? You know who graduated? Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, Michael Bloomberg used to be the mayor of New York City, eight former presidents of the United States, 150 Nobel Peace Prize uh, uh, winners affiliated with Harvard. And you know they have, they have what you call chaplains in Harvard. You know, now they have chaplains in, 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 in hospitals and police and et cetera, right? Now, you're going to say, Imam Siraj, you're making it up. I'm going to tell you something right now. You say, Imam Siraj, astaghfirullah, you're making it up because you're going to think I'm making it up. Sheikh Yasser is going to look at his thing and, and he's going to fact check me. It's true. No, he, I know. I saw you. I know. I know how you roll. <laughs> the head chaplain, Harvard, is an atheist. Which seems like, you kidding me. So a lot of times, uh, our youngsters go into the higher education, believers come out disbelievers. So this is the thing that I'm concerned about. Uh, I would like to uh, see us develop more institutions, and, and we're doing that. This is, this is great. To see this and number of youth here is really good. Um, and, and one of the things that we, I have to address in my own community is lack of you know, you know, institutions like this. So that's our next phase, and we, we plan to do some things now in my own particular masjid, in my own, in my own city. But I think that um, we, got, we got more scholars than we, we had before, you know, uh, and, and brothers who are going to uh, training and studying abroad. One, one brother, very interesting, he was in a nation named Rodney 15X, Staten Island. He went to Medina and stayed there. He graduated from the University of Medina. He, uh, he, his name is Khalid, uh, Khalid Khalid, uh, Khalid something, I'll tell you, I mean Khalid, never heard of him? Short brother, yeah, so you have an, a number of people now going abroad to study, that's good, coming back. They used to come back very, uh, you know, too much, but now, alhamdulillah, they've, they've, they've calmed down. And I think that the future, see, someone once asked me, what will be the future of America, Muslims? Answer? What do you want it to be? And what are you willing to do to bring it about? It's up to us, Sheikh Yasser. It's up to you, people like you, Umar Sulaiman and others, whom Allah has really blessed, whom I have tremendous respect. This, this brother here, tremendous respect. I look him up once in a while. He'll tell you, he'll tell you, he'll admit it, that every once in a while I'll text him, and say, Sheikh, what do you think about so-and-so and so-and-so? Yeah, yeah, he's saying no, but he means yes. He really means yes, right? So my point is, is that this is the respect that we have for this, the scholarship, and, um, and we have to promote one another. And this is what I'd like to see. I'd like to see us now uh, beginning to collaborate Muslim communities with other communities, and, um, and I think that it would bode well for us, inshallah. Inshallah. Sheikh, we have a, a number of questions, and the sisters as well, if they ask, please uh, send the questions forward. Uh, so, uh, Sheikh, we have a question here. 
do you think that the, the um, African-American Muslim population is declining more? And if so, why? Like the percentage that used to be from now? I don't know. I don't, I don't have any, any statistics. Um, I know that in our communities, indigenous African-American communities, people taking shahada all the time. Um, so that's, that, that bodes well. And I, I don't know if there's necessary decline in the number of African-Americans, maybe percentage-wise in certain communities, um, but uh, Allah knows best. I'm not sure. So we have a number of questions, quite a lot of questions about you, you, you encourage da'wah, but how do you advise we give da'wah? Um, how do we give da'wah to atheists? Um, what advice do you give to the MSAs to give da'wah? Uh, so. Let me tell you something. I'm mad. I'm mad. You know why I'm mad? When I went to New York University, not one Muslim ever came to me even to give me a pamphlet. But the brothers from the Nation of Islam did. They would come to the cafeteria and they would say, how you doing my black brother? And then, yeah. And then they would talk. The captain of the basketball team, Jerry Tenex, in Nation of Islam. And when we went to basketball games, I played basketball. He sat next to me. I remember the very day I joined the Nation of Islam. I, I know the very suit I wore. I had an afro. You know what afro is? Sheikh, you know what afro is? I know what afro is. Most of the youth know. Afro <laughs> is like in the 60s, black people started making their hair long. I, my afro was so big, it can land a helicopter on it. <laughs> right? So, 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 so my point is, is that simply showing a concern. I was on a plane one day, and by the way, I, I like people. Don't sit next to me on a plane. So one day, right, I'm, I'm reading the book. Now, I don't know if you like me. When I'm reading, I don't like people reading on my shoulder. Do you? But one day, the guy uh, next to me, I saw him reading on my shoulder. I was reading the book about Islam. And I did like this. <laughs> Gave him an opportunity to see it, right? You know what he said? He said, are you a Muslim? I said, yes. I railed him in. So we have to have an opportunity to talk to people. I think every day we have three, four, five opportunities to give da'wah a little bit. Let me give an example. I was riding a Muslim brother picked me up from an airport, took me to some program, and he had a, a jalabiya, white European-American Muslim. And so we stopped at the toll booth, and the woman said, oh, that's, a real, that's nice what you have on. He said, thank you, and drove away. I said, man, she was begging for da'wah. She, she could have said, like, give me some da'wah. He said, you know, you could have said, you know, oh, yeah, you know, I happen to be a Muslim, and, and Muslims, we dress up so and so and so and so. To say something, a seed. I was on the uh, British Airways on my way to England, um, and the flight attendant said, would you like some wine? I said, I would love some wine. But I can't because I'm a Muslim. So the guy next to me started talking to me about Islam. You, you understand? The thing is, care. I, I, I went to a Double Tree Hotel years ago, and in every room there was a card that says that when you care, it shows. I would argue when you don't care, it shows. So there are people begging for Islam, 
And you don't have to be, you know, just a little bit, just a little bit. Let them acknowledge them. And I think that that's part of it. In our community, um, Sheikh, we, we, one year, we went on a Sunday, we took 100,000 pamphlets and went to the projects. and 100,000. 100, and one brother was with me, a brother from Pakistan, um, Sheikh Shamir, what's his name? Shamim Siddiqui. We call him the grandfather of Dawah. He wrote about five books about Dawah. He came with us. He was with me. We went to the like, 20th uh, story, and we knocked on every door. What happened, we gave them flyers with our phone number on it. People called the phone number. Some of them came to the masjid. Some knocked on the door. They were Muslims. So my point is, you can do it in your own way. Alhamdulillah, now some MSA, they have, they have uh, tables and they give out pamphlets. But, you know, but the thing is, I, I love talking to people. Don't be afraid to talk to people. And I know most of us like, oh, you know, do your own thing. And, but you got to remember, we have a, a, a mandate to give da'wah. So please, let us start thinking about giving da'wah, inshallah. Inshallah. Sheikh, somebody asks, what was your reaction? How did you feel when you found out that the nation of Islam was not the real religion of Islam? As a, that's a great question. Um, I think immediately most of us had some skepticism. Day one, right? And I, and I remember, and Sheikh Yassi, I may have told you this, my minister... Minister Farrakhan in New York. He was your minister. He, he was, was your my minister. He was my minister, right? So that day when Elijah Muhammad died, he died one day before our national holiday, which is a mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because we were all the way on the way there, and on the way there we learned that he, Elijah Muhammad had died. And I'm listening. I'm sitting front rostrum. Let's say that this is where all the speakers are. I'm here. And so one by one, the speakers, they said, we give our support for the son of Elijah Muhammad, Wadudhudi Muhammad, to become the leader. And I said to myself, I remember saying this, I don't care what they say, I'm waiting to hear from my minister, Minister Farrakhan. So Minister Farrakhan was the last speaker. And he said, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was the will of Allah. Minister Wadudhudi Muhammad is the will of Allah. He was crying. And I said, okay. So we accepted it, and he made changes right away, step by step by step by step. I remember the first Jumu khutbah I gave in my community. I was the imam over uh, Masjid Muhammad in Brooklyn. The first khutbah I gave, the people in my congregation were laughing at me. I said, okay, you laugh today, one day you won't be laughing. Because it was new to us. We never had Jumu prayer. We never did that. We never fasted in Ramadan. We didn't do any of that. All that was new. So to the credit of Imam Walafudi Muhammad, able to do that that fast, to transform that nation who had those deep beliefs um, to do it so fast. But after what we, we, we accepted, alhamdulillah. We accepted it. In, in, in a few months, we really accepted it. All the way, of course. Alhamdulillah. Uh, we have a question from uh, the sisters. You didn't mention the role of women. And what is your opinion about the role of women uh, in America, especially in, in promoting Islam and, and, and da'wah? I think that's for everybody. The women, uh, the, the elderly, alhamdulillah, we have a sister in my masjid named Sister um, uh, Rashida. 
She was in our masjid for years, and she moved to Trenton, New Jersey. And one day she called me and said, Imam Siraj, I, I got some good news. I said, you got married? <laughs> she says, no, but my, my mom took shahada, 94 years old. The role of women in my masjid, Sheikh, I don't know about this masjid, I hope I don't get you in trouble. Women play a prominent role in our masjid. In the board, on our board, we have women on our board. You have women on your board? Do we have women on our board? Huh? Huh? What? Where's the board? What? Well, that's good. He said it's coming. Not yet. Not yet. And I think the women, you know, listen, we have sisters to do dawah in our community. We have sisters on the board. We have sisters. We respect, I respect them. Uh, our youth director. You have a youth director, right? Do we have a youth director? Huh? <laughs> we do. We do. We do. Okay. Come on, man. Stop messing with me, man. <laughs> so we have one of the best things we did, Sheikh. We, got a youth, we hired a youth director, a full-time youth director. Every master needs a youth director. And alhamdulillah, our youth director is a sister. So we... Um, Sisters play a very prominent role in our masjid. Um, we, we're, we're thinking about tearing our masjid down and build a 10-story complex. This is the thing, one of the things we're thinking about. And so we had a meeting with the leadership of our community, and a, a number of the, sisters, uh, 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 the leaders are sisters, if you, if you know. They don't, they don't give bars or anything like that, but they, we do respect them, and I think that every, every masjid. I'm shocked, I was in England and these masjids don't even let sisters come into the masjid, which it's just mind-boggling to me. You know, half our ummah, you know, with, with all kinds, some of them got all kinds of degrees, and we don't utilize them, so I think they should be utilized. Uh, Sheikh, a number of youth have asked similar questions, like one of the youth is saying that, you know, we understand we're going to be carrying the torch of Islam for the next generation. You know, what advice do you give us? And uh, a young youth is saying he wants to be a da'i, you know, what advice do you give for that next generation? I think that I'm always pushing local communities uh, that you should consult your, your, your resident scholars, your imams, and, and so forth, and, and, and collaborate together what you're doing. I remember, um, you remember the Native Dean, right, that group? Years ago, um, they had a camp for, for youth in Maryland, and I came maybe the second day. And the, and the counselors told me, say, Imam Saraj, these guys are bad. They don't listen. You know what I did? I said, listen, put your books away. Come with me. We're going on the basketball court. We're going to take care of our business. So it was the counselors against the youth. I'll say what Muhammad Ali used to say. If you dream about beating me, you better wake up and apologize. And he wouldn't say he beat somebody, he whooped them. We whooped them. Never had a problem with them again. <laughs> no, that's true. that's true. Now, if I try to do that now, it may not work. No, Sheikh, we're going to have a basketball tournament. After. Huh? Yeah. What? Guys, aren't we going to go after huh? the gym? You haven't seen our gym, Sheikh. You I saw seen the gym. Well, I you're going to see it again, but with the basketball this time. No, 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 no. We got some really good players, don't we? I know huh? you do. I heard. That's why yeah. I'm not. Huh? We have a good team. We'll show you. I know that. I know. I heard yeah, about I'm it. I, I, listen, I heard about you guys, man. You still have a practice good? 
Alhamdulillah. We just have a few minutes left, inshallah. Okay. Uh, so, this is an interesting question. I'm going to ask it just to see your reaction, okay? I'm, not for me. May I ask, he's polite, what is your aqidah? And are you Hanafi, Maliki, Shafi'i, or what? Actually, honestly, none, none of them. I don't, I don't have madhab. I know some of you believe you have to belong to madhab. I don't. Uh, um, three teachers that I had that have a profound effect on my life in Umm Quran in 1978. Um, Sheikh, uh, Jaffa Sheikh Idris from Sudan. Sheikhana, our Sheikh. Yes, okay, okay. He taught us aqidah. And then Muhammad Qutb, the brother of Said Qutb, taught us da'wah. And my favorite teacher, Sheikh Hussein Hassan Hamid, he taught us fiqh. And the thing that I learned from him, I didn't learn scholarship from him. I learned, I learned the appreciation of scholarship. Every question we asked him, his typical answer is, we have three opinions. Imam Shafi'i, this is his opinion, and this is the evidence that he used. Imam Malik has a, has a, has a different opinion. This is his opinion, and this is the evidence he gave. Imam Abu Hanifa has a third opinion, and this is evidence. I think such and such is the right opinion. So he taught us a, a respect, and I respect all of the madhahib. I, I don't, uh, there's no particular school. I'm just a Muslim. I'm a Muslim. That's as simple as that. MashaAllah. Sheikh, we have a lot of good questions, but we're going to wrap up with one final one. Uh, do you think in your own experiences that you have seen more baraka? Uh, more you know, Allah's blessings in the earlier generations versus now, or do you think there's more barakah now than in earlier generation, the, the, the previous generation? I think more now. I think that, and Allahu alam, that uh, we are growing, and um, and I do see this convergence of Muslims. You know, um, and it's not just me being invited to immigrant communities, but a lot of African Americans now, imams being invited to other communities, other communities. And I'm asking you, like I told you, you, you know the demographics, only 20% African Americans. So we always bring in different Imams in. And you gotta help me. I want to get Sheikh Yasir to give khutbah at Masjid Taqwa. You think we can get him to do that? Can you help me? How many say yes? Allah. Sheikh. They don't want me here. Oh, no, 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 no. So, uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you. I, um, the pleasure of being here with you tonight for a few moments. Um, I, I feel that we're going to be okay. Uh, someone asked the question, how long will the building stand? Answer, how strong is the foundation? As long as we get the foundation, get that right, and keep working with it. Now, I said this before publicly, and I know some of you are going to think it's hyperbole. If you gave me the choice between sending my child to a Muslim school or Harvard, I would choose the Muslim school 100%. And I don't say this like to put down Harvard. No, I'm not putting them down. They are they're a marvelous institution, uh, 300 and something years, and uh, with a budget of over $5 billion a year. I, but I don't want you to lose your Islam by going to these high institutions like too often they happen. And you have to help me get the statistics and find out what's, what's going on, how many of our children are, are we, we're losing 
in this, in, this, in this particular society. So, but I think the future bodes well. And the question is, what are we going to do? Sheikh Yasser, and you continue to do the great work that you do, um, not only uh, speaking, writing, in, 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 in all of that, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you. I make, uh, I make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continue to bless you. You are so more well-equipped than we were. See, we were just, you know, Muawiyah, he said, There's no real wisdom without experience. So we were going more on our experience. We got a little education and our uh, intention. I remember Malcolm used to say, he said, what is my credentials? My credentials is my sincerity. So we just tried to be sincere. And because I know where I was, I know where I was, I, I get scared. I said, subhanAllah, Allah saved me and guided me to Islam in 1975. So I'm very, very grateful. Sheikh, we're going to move to the gym, but I've heard that there is a story revolving basketball and Imam Suhaib. So I was yes. told to ask you this question. You want to hear it? Imam Suhaib Webb, may Allah bless him, I love him. We had an ICNA conference in Connecticut, and brothers told me that Imam Suhaib Webb, every talk he gave, he talked about what he gonna do to Imam Siraj on the basketball court. That's disrespect. So I told the brothers, we made a, a tape that they played in front of uh, his, his next talk. Imam Saraj challenging you. Oh, he challenged me. I said, okay, let's do it. He said, meet me at the gym at 12 midnight, something like that. So I go there at 12 midnight and I'm waiting for him. He don't show up. <laughs> he don't show up. So I said, man, he ain't coming. I'm about to go in my room. Here he come with a Boston Celtics uniform on. That's disrespect. <laughs> so I tell you what happened, I'll say it this way. What I did to him, I had to make tawbah to Allah. <laughs> Ask him, he'll tell you. Jazakumullah khair, Imam Siraj, you are our Imam. You are the, one of the Imams of North American Islam. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to bless you for all that you have done for the Ummah. We ask Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to give you a long life, a life full of iman and taqwa and good deeds. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to bless you in all of your efforts and your community. We ask Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to cause you to be a role model for all of us and to be a role model for the future of American Muslims. We ask Allah to forgive any sins that you might have done, to exalt your ranks, and to be and resurrect you with the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And on behalf of all of us, we are so humbled that you have come to our community. Imam Siraj, and you're always welcome here. And I promise you, inshallah, inshallah, I will come to your community as well. Inshallah. Zakumullah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. But we're going to the gym for some for some shots, right? Inshallah. I, um, <laughs> I did that one in Chicago. You've been to the Dar Salaam last year? Yeah, I have. You see the gym? I'm not saying I'm saying. I am. You should visit ours. I know. I'm coming. I'm coming.